So we've been talking about uh, three basic types of prayers. Last Sunday, we talked about the first type of prayer, and I'm going to just whirl right through that. Some of us were here, some of us weren't. Uh, but just, uh, and then today, we'll go into the second type of prayer. Next Sunday, my dad will preach, and the following Sunday, we'll talk about the third type of prayer. But it all comes from Matthew 7, 7, asking you, it'll be given to you, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open to you, three types of prayers that we can pray. We can ask a, an, an asking prayer, we can pray a devotional prayer, that's what we're going to talk about today, that's a seeking prayer where you're devoted to God, you're seeking God, you're looking for God, and then you can pray an intercessory prayer, that's where you're knocking at a door that God has showed you to knock at, he says, go knock at that door. I'm going to open it for you. If you'll go pray for it, I'm going to open that door for you. That's an intercessory prayer. And we'll talk about that here in two Sundays from now. And so last Sunday, we talked about the asking, the, the prayer of petition. And all of this comes, I'll remind you, from uh, a book that I read a long time ago. And I've, I've gone back to it several times, written by this guy named Young Yi Cho. He's a Korean, Southern, South Korean uh, pastor. is the biggest church in the world. And uh, he, prayed, he wrote this book called Prayer, the, the Key to Revival. And he opened my eyes to seeing, hey, there's three types of prayer here. I see that now. And so it was a real blessing. Now, my message isn't really pulled from his book, but the concepts are pulled from his book. And so I'll share even a couple of quotes with you from that book today. But uh, last Sunday, the prayer of petition, the asking prayer. How many of you guys asked God for something this week, by the way? All right. Should be natural, but especially after we talked about it, I hope everybody asked for God, asked God for something. We should be asking God all the time. And I mentioned last Sunday, small things, you lose your keys, perfect example. Medium things, the things you can do, but you could do better if God got behind you and pushed it all the way through. And then big things, the things that you can't do at all. <laughs> so we ask God for those things as well, three types of things. But why? Why do we have to ask God, especially in view of, uh, what is it? Uh, shoot, I've, I've, I didn't write it down here, but it says, God knows. The Bible says this, God knows what you need even before you ask him. So why on earth would you need to ask? Keith, what do you think, man? You trust him. That's right. It proves you trust him, right? Well, I gave several reasons why we need to ask God, even though he already knows what you need before you ask him. It's all kind of for us. See, the gift of asking God is given to you and me. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's, it's, we're lucky. You know, we're blessed that we could get to ask the God of the universe. So here's some reasons why we mentioned last week why we need to ask God. First of all, it teaches us that God is listening. Whoo, thank goodness, man. I'm, I'm asking God, and it teaches me. Oh, cool, the God of the universe. Wonderful, the God of the universe is listening to puny little old me. The little guy that didn't amount to anything. The late bloomer. The guy that's taken him all this time to finally get to where he's at today. Thank God God is listening to me. I am so grateful for that. And we saw that in Psalms 34, 15, and 17. It says he's attentive to the, his ears are attentive to their cry. The Lord hears them and he delivers them out of all their troubles. 
that's why we are blessed with being able to ask God. And, and my wife turned me on to that. She's the one that mentioned this. And I really like that thought. That's another reason. It teaches us, and this is to Keith's point, it teaches us to depend on God. I remember last Sunday I mentioned this. I said, I, I ask God, how often do I need to ask you? Do I need to ask you for everything or just the big things? Or, and the Lord came back to me and said, yes, you need to ask me for everything. And I've gotten in the habit now of every, maybe not everything, but most everything. God, can you help me here? God, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Can you help? And you know what I found is I do that, I get more and more and more dependent on God to the extent where, if, I've told you this, if he moves, I'm, I'm history. I'm going to fall over. It teaches us to depend on God. Um, that was cute. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. This is really funny. Um, I used to go to another church. And, um, and uh, the pastor's son of that church was, is not like he was a teenager. The guy was like 35 years old. He would wait for his dad, who's a senior pastor of the church, to get up and start his Wednesday night service. And in the middle of it, his son, I would be sitting back there watching him, he would dial his dad in the middle of service. And he knew that his dad didn't know how to turn his ringer off. <laughs> So he would routinely play that joke on people, so I always crack up. Anyways, let's keep on. Another reason why we ask God. Uh, we ask God because it keeps our heart open. If we're not asking God, our heart naturally shuts into a defensive state to where we can't receive from God. And I love this because it says it in Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask and it'll be given to you. But in verse 8, it says, whoever asks receives. So there's two things that occur when we ask. We ask and God gives. We ask and we receive. How can we receive? Only when our hearts are open. Only when our hearts are open. And so asking naturally keeps our heart stretched wide open. And so we need to be in the practice of asking. And if you get down, you say, I ask and God never gives. Well, keep on asking because it's keeping your heart open so that you can receive. And I've been practicing that myself. I love that insight. That's blessed me so much recently. Another reason why we ask. We ask God because it teaches us to pray just simply talking to God. We're not babbling prayers. We're not saying prayers. We're talking to God. And the most natural way of talking to somebody is when you ask them a question or ask them for something. So it keeps prayer simple. I like that one. You ask God also because you have needs, some of which you can't deal with. Uh, we read Ephesians 3.20. It said, now unto him who's able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine according to the power that is work within you. So we ask God because there's some things we simply can't cope with, we can't deal with. And I see this in the workplace and people that I know that aren't, you know, unfortunately aren't Christians. When one of their relatives gets sick or a friend gets sick, I've seen a couple of reactions. And here's just a couple. One is they don't even go to visit them in the hospital because they can't cope with the sorrow and the sadness of seeing their loved one, their friend, their family member suffering. And so they can't cope with it. So they they just turn a blind, blind eye. That's one. Another one is they, they're with the person, but they're falling apart because they have no hope. They have no hope. But you and me, we have the hope that Jesus is our healer. 
Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our guide. And so we go to him asking because there's things we simply can't deal with. We can't fix the, all the people that we'd like to fix, right? And so also asking teaches us that God is abundantly good and that he loves us immensely, all right? Asking teaches us, hey, God is a good God. And that took me so long, even though I was raised in the church, raised as a Christian, raised with loving parents, I could not comprehend that God was actually good. I don't know why we're so thick-headed, but he is. He's good. And when we come to realize God is good, he only wants good things for my life. Yes, there's times of discipline, but it's loving discipline. It's not punishment. He's disciplining me for my own good. All things work together for my good because God is good. We need to get that out of our heads and into our hearts. Let me tell you what, sinking it, sinking down there. And uh, so we, we just kind of ended up with that. Let me tell you what. The most important thing is not that you ask, but that your heart depends on God. If you depend on God, you will ask God. It's a matter, a condition of the heart more important than, than the physical asking of God. So get your heart dependent on God, and you will ask him for most everything. But here's the second type of prayer. So we're launching into the, this, this morning's message. The second type of prayer is seek and you will find. Seek, and you will find. Uh, something that I've thought about, meditated on, and prayed, and studied many times, but this book, Young Yi Cho's book, really brought it home when he said, this is the prayer of devotion. Who seeks God? The person who's devoted to God. Have you ever heard of somebody saying, they're a devout Christian, or they're a devout Catholic, or they're a devout business person. I haven't heard that one very often, but usually it has to do with religion. They're devout. You know what devout means? It simply means devoted. They're devoted to the thing that they're involved with. All right. So this is a prayer of devotion. To seek God means you're devoted to God, just as if you were seeking whatever. I'll never forget sitting down at a, a work function and this guy who had lived in Las Vegas, was now living on the East Coast. And it's interesting when you're talking to people, all of a sudden they come alive. When you find what they're interested in, they just come alive. And so this guy was real blah and boring and kind of pale and, and not involved in the conversation until somebody mentioned something about Las Vegas. And this guy went through the ceiling with excitement, talking about how much Las Vegas, he'd lived there. It was so much fun. There's so many shows, and he loved to go gambling, and he loved everything about Las Vegas. You know what? This guy was devoted to Vegas. He just loved it, and it, it got him going. And I'm curious, whenever conversations come up, what gets you going? What gets you going? And you can know, you can be sure that that's what you're devoted to. That's what you're excited about. Well, look at, let's look at some verses here about being devoted. Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, But if from here, from there, excuse me, you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Who is the person who's going to find God? It's only the person who's going to seek God with all of their heart. That's sad news for most of us. 
<laughs> That's sad news for most of us. Because there are very, very, very few people who really seek God with all of their heart. Look at your own heart. I'll look at mine. I, I'll tell you what, just as recent as three months ago, there was some things that I was seeking at times more than God. Just recently, for me, I'm sure you're in the same boat. We're like an onion. God is constantly peeling away the distractions in our lives over a lifetime. It doesn't happen overnight. And he finally gets down to where there's just God. <laughs> there's just God. All right? You're devoted to God. You seek. Let me tell you what. You seek what you love. You seek what you love. It's plain and simple. That's how it works. It's a plain, plain old formula. You will seek what you desire, what you want, what you like, what you love. All right? That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, he says, here's how it works. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness, not your own, not your own, the kingdom of heaven, his righteousness. And you know what? All the wants and likes that you're looking for anyways, they're going to be added to you and then some. If you would just let go and let God. <laughs> put God first. Can you put God first in your life? I'm going to tell you, I don't think so. You can try, but life will get you to the place where you can finally put God first. I'll tell you what, I've tried. I've tried to love God more. I've tried to want God more. But you know what? Only the Holy Spirit and life has gotten me to the place where I'm at today. And I've got a long ways to go. And I realize God's the only one that can get me to the place where I really want him. I can't do that on myself, all right? I've got to have his help, his intervention, all right? So we look at things that produce joy, peace, rest in our lives. What are some of those things? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things for me, I love vacation, don't you? Don't you? Isn't it fun to just cut out of work and just go blow some money somewhere and just have fun? I mean, I like doing that. I wish I could do it more often, but you know, it costs money, right? To do those types of things. I, so what I do, I pursue that. I save for that. I think about that. I get ready for that because I love it. It is the funnest thing in the whole wide world. All right, is that wrong of me? I don't, I don't think it is. I love it. All right, what do you love? Think about what you love. What do you aim for? What do you gear towards, all right? That's what you're devoted to. It brings, for me, it brings tons of joy. It brings a little bit of peace, a little bit of rest. I love it. What about watching a good movie? Man, have you ever watched a good movie? You're like, oh, why can't they make more of those movies? All right? That would be awesome if there was more of those movies. I'd watch them all the time. Well, that's why there's not that many of those, because then we'd be constantly inhaling those, those really good movies or a fulfilling job, a happy marriage. Oh, sometimes I was walking this morning. I got up really early this morning. I was walking and just getting ready for this morning, meditating on the Lord. And I was just thinking, man, I am so glad my back doesn't hurt me right now. I am walking and my back doesn't hurt me. It used to hurt me a lot. But you know what? God healed me. He healed my back. Woo! Man, I can twist and turn and do all kinds of contortions. God healed my back. And I am enjoying that so much. I'm enjoying that so much. You know what? Enjoy the things that God gives you. Does it bring some joy? Absolutely. Does it bring some peace? Yes. Does it bring rest? Does it bring happiness? Yes. 
All of those things, man, the things that God gives us, the things of earth that we just enjoy. Praise God. Hallelujah, man. So what happens is these things come to us, well, we start seeking them more. You know, I see a good movie. Well, I want to see another good movie. And, and so that's kind of how we, we are. But let's, let's talk of spiritual things just right now. Just if you permit me, what about just walking with God? Oh, <laughs> that is the most wonderful, refreshing glorious thing to get up early in the morning, and I'm not a morning person, get up early in the morning and just take a walk with God and talk to him. I, I know I've, I've addressed that before, but I can't, I don't get tired of that. I just don't get tired of walking with God. What, did, what about talking to God? You know what I love most, though, is hearing from God. That is super incredible and wonderful when the Holy Spirit takes something from the Bible or just whispers something directly into my soul, it's the Word of God, and I know that He cares for me, and He gives me insight or gives me assurance or gives me encouragement. The Word of God spoken to me. Or what about this? Getting into the presence of God. You might be by yourself. You might be here in church. You might be with a group of people at a Bible study at your house. Who knows? But you get into the presence of the Lord, and you sense His presence there's nothing richer. There's nothing more absolutely wonderful than that. Or when he sets you free from a problem or trouble that you've had, remember that? Oh, that is unbelievable. When he sets you free from your trouble or your difficulty, that is, that is remarkable. There's nothing comparable to it. Or what about uh, whenever God lets you know that what he's telling you is actually going to happen? A promise is actually going to get fulfilled, or even better still, when it does get fulfilled, unbelievable. These are the best feelings. If you're looking for feelings in, in this world, these are some of the best feelings in the world. Or whenever you write down something very rich and wonderful that he tells you, you've been reading the word, and a verse just pops out at you, or a concept or a story, gets your attention, grabs your attention, and then you're pondering it throughout the week or the day, and it's just blessing you, that's unbelievable. That's, that, that starts making you want God more, all of these things. When he does a miracle or, or you obey a prompting that he gives you, have you ever had that happen? You're walking along and he prompts you to go do something, and you're like, yes, God. I'm going to go do that thing. That, it scares me, but I'm going to do it. There's nothing like obeying God. It is the most unbelievable thing in the world. Or um, to serve him, to follow him. Uh, I love this, to be used by the loving Holy Spirit to change your world. Oh, man, to tell somebody about Jesus or to go up and pray for somebody or to share the love of Jesus into, with somebody, that's just remarkable. It's incredible. Absolutely. So these are some things the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So what do you do? You try them out. You try it out. You, you consume a little bit of the goodness of God and all of these things that I've just mentioned and you will get hooked on God. See, God made you and me to be addictive persons. He made us addictive so that we would get addicted to him. That's what he did. He said, taste and see. That sounds like a, a pusher. <laughs> taste this and see. And he does this. He says, here, try me and see if you don't like this. And you get hooked on God. That's the best place to be hooked. That's where we need to be at with him. Reverend Cho Youngie Cho in his book, he says, 
before 5 a.m. every morning, I don't need an alarm clock to wake me up. I just hear a knock at the door of my heart, and this automatically wakens me up. And then I hear the Lord say, Cho, it's our time. I desire fellowship with you right now. And God is just like knocking at our door and saying, wake up, come on, let's get together. Let's enjoy each other's presence. I have something new and rich for you this morning. How many mornings have I missed out on something because I didn't get up and spend time with God? It's not a have to, it's a get to. (laughs) I want to do that. Now, you may not be a morning person. You might do it at night, noon, middle of the night. I don't know. You do it when you're freshest, when you're most open to the Lord, and he's going to just pile it on thick if you will consistently do that. So that's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does that mean? It means like, like him. You know, and you say, well, that's dumbing things down. No, you can't love someone until you like them. I've heard people say this all the time when they're trying to forgive somebody. They say, I can love them, but I can't like them. You're full of baloney then. <laughs> if you're not liking them, you're not loving them. All right? So God's got to get us to the place first of liking things before we can love them. And maybe we need to be looking at it that way in the, in the scriptures as well. You need to like God. You need to enjoy him. All right? Then you will really love him. All right? So like the things of God. So here's uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Uh, here's the Apostle Paul. He says, whatever, uh, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, he tasted so much of Jesus that everything else was just a complete waste of time. All right. Uh, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth. Worth. And worship, by the way, is worthfulness. Worship means you find worth in something so much that you bow to it. You, you applause it. You talk about it. You think about it. All right. So worship is not just raising your hands. Worship is not a song. Worship is finding worth in God. You found value in there, and you're like, I want more of that. <laughs> I'm going to keep that. I'm going to hold on to that. That's worth something. So the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Remember, we were praying in prayers. I want to be found inside of Christ, not having a righteousness of my own. That's so important. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Who's a righteous man? We say, I'm not righteous. I messed up. No, if you find the righteousness of God, you are a righteous person. You found it. You're accepting the free gift of righteousness. So not a righteousness of my own that comes from the law of doing good things or avoiding bad things, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of of his resurrection, participation, and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Well, he says, that sounds pretty bad. No, I want to die to my old self. I'm sick of my old self. I'm sick of the temptations that trip me up. I'm sick of the old habits. I'm sick of the old thoughts. I'm sick of the old reactions. I want a new self. So yes, I want to die. I I do want to die. In fact, I believe God is the one that dreamt up suicide. (laughs) How's that? Everybody wake? God dreamt up suicide, but not the suicide of taking your physical life. 
taking your old physical life and nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. That's the kind of suicide that we want. The old self nailed the cross never to be resurrected again. All right. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. All right. So what does it mean to seek God? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his right. What does it mean to seek God? It means to like God so much that you go after him. You like what you see. You like what you feel. You like what you see. And, and here I'm going after what I like. Because when you do that, that means you're enjoying God. And listen to this. I'm sorry, it's making noise. When you enjoy God, you're going to worship God. It's the only way you're ever going to get find that path of worship of the Lord is when you finally enjoy God. It's not a have to. It's a get to. All right, so John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when true worshipers, who are true worshipers? The ones that enjoy God. You say, well, I don't enjoy. I, how do I get there? Start tasting five minutes a day reading the Bible. We give, you, we give you these scripture sheets right here. Five minutes reading this. If you don't know where to start, taste and see that the Lord is good. You will become a true worshiper. All right? It says, well, worship the Father in spirit and in truth, sincerely. That's what truth means, sincerely. For they are the kind of worshipers that the, that the Father seeks. Guess what? You're seeking God. God's seeking you. That's a match made in heaven. You're going to find each other. You're going to find each other. Okay, so there's this guy named John Piper. I don't agree with every single thing that, that Piper preaches, but I agree with a lot of it. <laughs> he, he's given me a lot of good thoughts. And here's what John Piper says. Um, he said, God is most glorified. And he might be quoting somebody here. I don't know. But this, I heard it from him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified. He's most exalted and praised and kept holy and, and everything when I am most satisfied in him. All right? Stop with the business of sacrificial this, that, and the other. God is not looking for sacrifice. He's looking for relationship, love, closeness, communion, enjoyment. All right? All right? And here's another thing that John Piper says. He says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. <laughs> Some of us are already enjoying God. Hey, you're on the right path if you're enjoying God. Let me read it again. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our goal. And so what does John Piper call this? Well, he calls it Christian hedonism. I like that. Christian hedonism. That means when, like, when I'm eating... I do this sometimes. My favorite cake is tres leches cake, all right? And so after birthday, I always get tres leches cake for my, for my birthday. And so what I do is I wait. Everybody gets a piece of it. They go home, and then I sneak out, all right, in the dark into the kitchen. Don't tell anybody this. And I don't even bother to take a slice. I just open the top of the cake thing, all right? And I take my fork, and I dip and double dip and triple dip, and I just eat. And I eat out of the middle because that's where it's the moistest, all right? Oh, so delicious. That's hedonism, all right? That's hedonism as it, at its height. It's just consuming and inhaling that which you love. Let me tell you what. When you get hooked on Jesus, you can consume of him as much as you want. 
and you will enjoy him and you will love him and you will want more of him and you will it'll just be endless an endless cycle and that so i encourage you to be spiritually selfish a christian hedonist who is just getting more and more if it feels good do it when it comes to jesus type of attitude all right so a couple more thoughts before we finish here what happens as a result of discovering these wonders of God, what, what happens when you love to walk with God and learn from God and hear from God and be touched by God? Well, you begin to let go of the other stuff. See, you only have, your, your soul is only so big. It can only contain so much. And so if you filled it halfway full of God, and you say, I want more. Well, guess what? Some of this other crud is going to have to get displaced. So you say, God, give me more. Well, what's going to happen? It's going to start shoving all the filth that you want to get rid of anyway. It's going to start shoving all the desires and the goals and the plans that you had made. And I thought my life was going to turn out this way, and now it's this way. Well, that's all right, because this way was God's way anyways. All right? So that's okay. (laughs) All right? So that's what happens when you get addicted to God is get ready. A lot of junk is going to come out of your life. A lot of plans are going to get rearranged, maybe displaced entirely. And so this devotion to God is when we joyfully and willingly let go of these things because we're going to get something better in exchange. All right? I challenge you to look at anyone in the Bible who let go of something for something better and God didn't give them something better. Let go of whatever you need to let go of and take whatever you need to take hold of. God always trades up in value. You will never end up in a lower position. All right, so let me give you some examples here. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Why? Did he want the field or did he want the treasure in the field? He wanted the treasure in the field, all right? Um, <laughs> this cracks me up. I think I told it once. I met this one guy at a work lunch, and uh, it was, you know, everybody was drinking, so I wasn't drinking, but they were. And um, as they got tipsy, they began to confide <laughs> and tell secrets that they shouldn't have been telling anybody, all right? So this one guy started telling me that half his retirement, he'd gone out and bought silver, literal, physical silver, and had buried it in his backyard and had some map hidden in his house where all his silver was. I thought, well, <laughs> I'd like to go find your house and uh, help myself. <laughs> but can you imagine going into a backyard and f- that you're, you're fine trying to find a house. You go in the backyard and find some treasure. You say, I'm going to go sell everything that I have to buy that house so that I can get that treasure that's in the backyard. That's what this man did. That's what you do with the kingdom of heaven. You find the goodness of God, and you want to just give it all up to find, to get more of that goodness, all right? Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple... This is always used harshly. Religious people use this. You've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Give me a break. That's not how this reads. <laughs> it's saying, get rid of your old self, the self that you want to get rid of. 
you're going to have some sufferings because everybody does. And then you get the glory of following Jesus the rest of your life who's going to supply all your needs, who's going to heal your sicknesses, take care of your marriage, and do everything that you need taken care of in your, in your life. That's what the scripture is saying. It's not, a, it's not a scripture of sacrifice. It's a scripture of blessing, of awesomeness. All right? He says, for whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. Unfortunately, that's the way that it works. You read about this, this billionaire hedge fund guy that's having a, uh, whatever you call it, a sex trafficking scandal. You know what? He lost his life. He killed himself day before yesterday. All right? He lost his health. He tried to find his life, but he didn't find anything. All he found was himself in prison, losing everything that he tried to gain. Verse 25, and whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, that's the old life that we want to get rid of anyways, for me, will find it. You will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, like this billionaire I just mentioned, and yet forfeit their soul? Unbelievable. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels in another place that says on the clouds. I've been thinking about that lately. Can you imagine? You're outside and you're like sick of life. <laughs> you want everything to be taken care of. And here comes Jesus with a trumpet sound on the clouds coming, and the Bible says, we need to talk about this more in church, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Oh, man! The Bible said, blessed are those, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but blessed are those who long for his appearing. Do you long for Jesus' appearing? I do. I can't wait to not have any more problems anymore. The Bible says he'll wipe every tear from our eye. Ooh, awesome stuff, man. I want to be ready. So I want to be enjoying God now. The Bible says, um, I will, I'm convinced I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Praise God. I don't have to wait for then for good things to happen. I can have good things happening right now. But here's one more scripture. Mark 10, 28 through, through 34. Then Peter spoke up. He said, here's Jesus saying, you know, take up your cross, follow me, blah, blah, blah. He says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who's left home and brothers and sisters and mother and father and children and feels for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. When? In this present age, this whole baloney of living a miserable life of nothingness is not how God wants us to live. But we will live that way if we don't give it up to God. And then he'll richly bless you back. Am I talking prosperity, preaching? Oh, maybe so. Is God, God going to curse you and toss you to the side? I don't think so. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. All right? Do we go through valleys and hills? Yeah, sometimes we're in peaks. Sometimes we're in valleys. Yes, absolutely. But ultimately, God wants to bless you and prosper you. Of course he does. He's a good God. So praise God. So he says, in this, in this life... But, along with it, persecutions. So there's the balancing act right there. All right. Some people say life is all about persecution and suffering. You as a Christian, you're not a Christian unless you're suffering. All right. Well, that's not true. And then the other side over here is 
every Christian should be rich and be, you know, a CEO in a company and doing it. No, that's not true either. <laughs> it's a balance. God blesses you, but at the same time, we're going through hardships. We're going through where we depend, it forces us to depend on God. So it says, in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So I tell you what, I'm choosing to be last so God can go ahead and (laughs) push me forward. I'm not going to try to promote myself. I'll let him take care of that. So there's so many different examples where this, this divine exchange, I give up my life and God gives me something better. Um, some final thoughts, and I promise you I really mean it. Pastor Cho also says, I learned many years ago that it takes effort to get the treasures that God desires to give me. Did you hear that? I'm going to read it again. I learned many years ago that it takes effort to get the treasures that God desires to give me. It takes something from you and me. It takes something. Now, we're not earning or trying to deserve anything from God, but when God works, we need to roll up our sleeves, and we need to work as well. We need to work spiritually. If you think you're going to pray and spend five minutes a day with God, well, you're going to get about five minutes worth of blessing, all right? If you spend a little extra time with God, you're going to see your life blessed even more. Why? You're spending time with the creator of the universe. All right? Now, let's, let's take a, a president. Pick your favorite president. All right? Got him in your mind? Don't tell me who he is. We're not here to talk about politics. All right? But pick your favorite president of all times. And let's say that that president was someone that you knew and that you could actually hang out with. All right? If he said, anytime you want to come to the White House and spend time with me, the door is open. And I'm going to pay for your plane trip and everything. We'll set you up in the White House. You can spend as much time as you want with me as as you want. How much time would you spend with him? You'd spend as much as you could and as often as you could. The God of the universe, who is far greater than any president or king, is offering that same thing to you. Would you not (laughs) just say, yes, God, I get to spend time with the creator of the universe. He's there at my, I hate to say it this way, at my beck and call, so to speak, not in a bad way. And I'm there at his beck and call. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. We need to take advantage of that. So Colossians 2.3, it takes effort. It takes effort. Here's the point. Colossians 2.3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hidden because you and I, we need to go dig them up. (laughs) We need to go dig them up. And the joy is digging for God's treasures, is trying to find those, is is listening and hearing them. Some final scriptures, Jeremiah 33.3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Does calling on God take some effort? You bet you it does. Does it take some time? Absolutely. Please, I beg of you, don't get so busy that you can't spend time with God. Don't get so busy. That's silly to to pour busyness into our life to where we can't even hear ourselves think or spend time with the God of the universe. Allow time with God. And, you know, uh, what's his name? Warren Buffett said the most successful people he's found are the people who say, no to most things. 
All right, if you want to be successful in life, here's what this, this billionaire guy is saying. He's saying the most successful people can say no most of the time. And we need to be able to say no most of the time. No to this distraction. No to this appointment. No to that commitment. I'm going to spend time with God. We've got to get to that place. We're hurting ourselves otherwise. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That's an amazing promise that we may follow the words of this law. Do you think following the law of the Lord takes effort? Sure it does. Does it say no to other things? Absolutely. Does it say yes to other things? Yes. Proverbs 8, 17 through 19. Here's the last one. I love, this is wisdom speaking, the personification of wisdom. In, In other words, the Holy Spirit. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Those who put forth the effort to seek God will find him. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I, what I yield surpasses choice silver. Are you, can you devote yourself to the Lord? Can you, can you enjoy God? Can you say, the highest thing I could ever do is find my enjoyment in God? I want us to do that just right now for a few minutes. If you, if you want to seek God, like I've been talking about, like God, go look for God. You can come up here to these altars if you want to. Kyle, if you can play some music. Just a few minutes. All week long we say, well, I don't have enough time. Well, guess what? We have time. <laughs> time is here. Time is available. The altars are here. We're here together. We want to know more of God. We want to seek more of God. We want to find God.